0: is in the other room
1: here
2: our first order of business is to present Planned Parenthood's employee of the year award
1: Abby Johnson
3: There's a fire inside, you can feel this is Abby it she's our newest
1: volunteer escort Abby this is Cheryl Alessandro.
0: Like
1: I'd be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history you'll actually be in charge of the abortions at your clinic I have a chance to make a real difference No
3: matter what you do for the rest of your life, you're still going to be a baby killer.
4: The only thing that's changed is you, Abby. Can you even hear yourself talk right now about these procedures? These are little babies.
1: I'm not going to apologize for doing a job that helps women in crisis. There's still a part of me that isn't sure. I know. But the one thing that all experts agree on is that at this stage, the fetus can't feel anything. Sorry to bother you, but they need an extra person in the back room. Are you free? In fighting
4: for its life. We commend the souls of these hundreds of children. And Lord, we pray to end abortion. I really appreciate what you've done for us. I'll not forget it.
1: Twenty-two thousand abortions. How do I even comprehend
5: that? Rough day at the office.
1: You can say that. You are making a
0: To your dad and me, you are our
2: baby from the moment of conception. We are paying you to be a perfect instrument of corporate policy. We are an abortion provider.
1: I can't be a part of this anymore. Everything that they told us is a lie.
0: Don't underestimate the repercussions of this. You gotta be careful.
1: gonna happen if you walk through that door.
2: Congratulations. You make an enemy of one of the most powerful organizations on the planet.
3: Wow. Isn't that great? Come on, let's put our hands together. Awesome. 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 This movie is nothing but Excellence, And I want to give a shout-out to everyone that's here today and those of you that are joining us via the live streaming right now, right across the United States of America and beyond. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, why don't you all welcome those that are watching us also via TV and live streaming. Give them a big round of applause. Great to have you here. Amen. This is exciting, what an awesome day this is. And the question is, why are we having this? You see, three weeks ago and several nights, it was a Tuesday night and Jade and I, by the way, Jade is a young man who was the youngest ever production manager for CBS production director. And uh, he was working there in New York City, and uh, he walks into our church two months ago. God started to set something up. It was Tuesday night, three weeks back, and Jade's talking to me about the fact that we do a Miracle Happens event every so often. And he says, you know, I think God might open some doors, maybe. We might have a little pilot or a show and The Spirit of God came on me and God said, Rob, I'm going to do with you what I did in Australia. And I'm going to do it all over again. And very quickly in Australia, we had pornography, full frontal, you know, on the front covers, in eyesight of children, women, and everyone in the stores. And so I took an issue with that. I was in a small town called Dubbo, uh, and uh, just a town of 30,000 people. To you Americans, that would be the outback. To Aussies, that was just one of their towns. But anyway, uh, I, I took the stand. Local TV station comes, and they did a little interview with me. And the next thing I know, several days later, I'm hearing phone calls coming back from fellow pastors around Australia. God picked it up, and it went national. Three days later, I had a free Friday night, and I so wanted to see this movie, Unplanned. And so I went into the theater, and when I came out... I was absolutely transfixed. I was convinced, How? what can I do to get multiple screenings so that as many eyes can see what my eyes saw? If you haven't seen the movie, you gotta go. And so uh, a a business guy from the church uh, starts talking to me. I came to church here and I made the announcement and the church just went, Nuts, you guys started applauding when I shared the idea of booking screenings and whatever uh, seats you paid for. I had promised that we would just keep booking more screenings as you paid for the seats until I used up the allocated money that I had pre designated from the church to buy theaters. And so we're actually on our fourth screening. We're booking our fourth screening right now. But from that Sunday lunch, we uh, then went and we met with Sol Pitchon from New Life Solutions, uh, head of the pregnancy centers in Tampa Bay. Uh, He got me in front of a minister's fraternal two days later. I'm talking to 70 ministers. Uh, Three days later, I've got Abby Johnson's phone number in my hand. Four days later, I have the phone number and email for one of the co-writers and co-directors, uh, Carrie Solomon. I called Carrie, and 30, sec- uh, 30 minutes later, I got a phone call from the executive producer, John Sullivan. Wow, it became obvious God was in this. In less than a week, we're talking to the producers all the way over there in California. Well, it gets better. I ring Joy FM, and Joy FM starts running free ads for us, and we decided to host a dinner for pastors around Tampa Bay. And then my son says, Dad, the church just bought live streaming equipment. If you're doing all this just for the pastor's dinner, we could live stream stream it, and it'll go across America. And so we started a live stream, and God just set everything up so that this, which was completely unplanned three weeks ago, could happen like a miracle. Everything God does, He does supernaturally. Amen. Absolutely. The 700 Club picked it up in the first week. We did a little video clip. And uh, they saw our video clip on Facebook. They picked it up, edited it down, and they made it part of their news broadcast, and it went national. And that's when I knew that I knew I heard from God, and God was in this movie unplanned. If you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to do so. The movie is about a person, it's about Abby Johnson. Sometimes movies are movies. This isn't even just a story. This is about a real person and a real journey. Abby Johnson came from a family that was pro-life, and yet as she went to college and got involved with college, she was sold on a story that Planned Parenthood was really there just to help minimize abortion and make contraceptives available freely for young ladies. And having a desire to study psychology and be in social work, it, she gravitated to that spin. And so she became the youngest ever director of a Planned Parenthood clinic. And she devoted her time to this thing passionately. That's Abby Johnson. I think everything she does, she does passionately. And so Abby just threw herself into this until one day, after having been the director of a Planned Parenthood clinic and having overseen through her employees over 22,000 abortions one day she was asked to actually come inside the room and assist and she saw something that changed everything i want you to welcome abby johnson as we watch her on some video interviews put your hands together for abby
0: unplanned is uh, it's just my story I. Worked at Planned Parenthood for eight years. Um, Loved my job, loved what I did, believed that I was helping women. That's how I got involved in Planned Parenthood. And then really had my eyes opened. I just moved away from the catheter.
6: They always move. That's why I do it this way.
0: And I knew then that abortion took the life of an individual and unique human being. And I knew. If those two things were true, then I was on the wrong side of this issue. I was on the wrong side of this debate.
6: The statistics for abortion are mind-numbing. Worldwide since 1980, 1.5 billion abortions. That's what, a quarter of the planet missing? That's crazy.
0: I think some of the most telling statistics, the most shocking statistics about abortion are just the gross numbers of abortions that take place every year. So we're at about a million abortions a year, about 3000 a day. And this is just in the United States and about one in three women in the U.S. have had an abortion or will have an abortion by the time they're 45.
3: Wow, those are incredible, but real statistics we have an opportunity you have just seen the real abby johnson who has become a pro-life advocate and really has dedicated her life now uh, because of the saving grace and the power of god to be able to visit all of us and any of us irrespective of our mistakes She is now a campaigner. She is an advocate. She's a first-hand spokesperson. What can you expect today? Today you're going to meet some of the actors that appeared in this movie. You're going to meet some of the directors that appeared in this movie. You're going to hear from a doctor who today is a former abortion doctor. Today born again, saved by God's grace, and an advocate for pro-life. But as we prepare to engage with all of these fascinating and amazing people that will be with us today, I want to introduce you to Chuck Konzelman and Carrie Solomon, who are going to talk to us via video about the selection process and how God showed up in picking the young lady Ashley Bratcher who would actually play Abby Johnson get some tissues ready this is an amazing story thank you
6: we slid into the week before we were scheduled to start shooting with our financing incomplete and without a lead female for the role to play uh, Abby Johnson which
4: you're not supposed to do. And rather than doing
6: and we were unable to
4: push the beginning of our shooting dates. Now we're Monday morning we're shooting. We got a 4000 square foot set. We have 150, 200 people working. We've got millions of dollars at stake here and the Thursday night, we still don't have a lead. We got to do hair, makeup, she change her hair to red.
6: Fifty-two wardrobe looks 52. in the movie, and she hasn't. And no one started lining up her clothing yet. I mean, because we not. didn't
4: know who it was going to be. So we're going through the list, literally one by one. I'm getting chopped down. The last person on my desk is this person, Ashley Bratcher. When
1: I first auditioned for Unplanned, I didn't really know who Abby was and I was so compelled just from those three pages of sides. I got online immediately, I listened to her testimony, I watched her videos on YouTube and listening to Abby speak and tell her story I was floored. I mean I was just ugly crying and it really it really hit home for me um, on a very personal level and I was just so moved by it that I, I went home and I told my husband I said I need to be a part of this film.
4: She then Sends us two emails with passion that was so powerful and then speaks to us on the phone and says, all I can say is two years ago, the Lord spoke to me and told me he had a mighty work for me to do, but I was not ready. But when I was, he would tell me what it was and would bring it forward. And she says, I know this, this is my story to tell. And I was, she was so passionate.
1: So I had already come to Oklahoma and I had been working for a couple of days and my mom called me. I don't have a wonderful relationship with my parents. It's been, I had kind of a rocky childhood. My mom had always been very open with me when I was younger that she had had an abortion before me. Um, and she had always said things like, I was going to abort you, but I chose not to. Like, I could never do that. But I did know that when I got ready to tell my mom that I was doing this movie and start explaining who Abby is and what the film's about, that she might have an emotional reaction. And she did but more than I anticipated. um, I could just feel her weeping through the phone, and I said, Mom, I said, Mom, what's wrong? And she said, you don't know this, but I was there in the clinic. They had called my name, and I was in the room to abort you, And I got up and walked out. Uh And I had no idea.
4: And so you were literally 10 seconds away from an abortion. Now, 30 years later, she's going to become the face of the pro-life world. Can God cook or what?
1: It's a very different concept to hear someone say, you know, abortion was an option, but I chose not to do that, as opposed to hearing you're seconds away, just minutes, seconds away from never having existed. But it's really evidence that god has just planned my steps long before i ever set foot on earth to be here doing this today
4: she was created before time by god for this moment for a time such as this so i guess
1: technically i'm an abortion survivor and i never knew it
6: <laughs> this is truly a before i i formed you in the womb i knew you moment she was created to play this role
3: Isn't that an incredible story? That's how God just weaves things together. I love it. You know, the Bible says that he's the author and perfecter of our personal faith. But you see that same character coming through in things like this. God is writing the script, and he is working with us. And when we hit a fail in life, he just writes it into the script and writes our redemption and our recovery. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to welcome Mike Manhart, one of the co-producers of Unplanned Yay. Awesome. <laughs> How are you?
5: I am great. You know Thank you so much every for
3: time us. I see you. I feel excited. How is that? Oh man, it I, is it's great. The same with you. There you go. All that energy, it, it, brother. It must be the Italian blood that flows between us. I'm only half. You're half. Yeah. Day. Well, that's enough. I'll pray for you later. <laughs> Mike, it is great to have you with us. Thank you so much for flying all the way out from California, and say thank you for me to the team. Uh, this team has been incredible. They really believe in this movie unplanned and while we're there how did this come about tell us how unplanned was actually planned in God's heart from the beginning exactly Uh, six years ago we were
5: approached by a friend of ours named Megan Harrington who's in the industry the Hollywood industry and um, she came to Carrie Solomon and Chuck Gosselman and said You gotta read this book. This is your next movie. And it was Abby Johnson's Unplanned. And um, they had never heard of it, read the book, and um, were so pumped up and excited (laughs) to tell this story, this true story. Um, But everything that these guys do goes through a prayer and serious discernment process. So after um, being pumped up about making the movie, they went to prayer, and the Lord said, Not yet he didn't say no, he just said not yet. And Carrie will say that he actually got depressed. Right. Chuck will tell you, he was upset. Like these guys were so passionately excited to make the movie. And when God said not yet, and he
3: didn't say no, they were upset. And my, Didn't understand. Uh, look, I can relate to this. I don't know how many times I've had to tell God, Will you get with the program? You know, <laughs> right. Uh, right. He doesn't work on our time schedule. Exactly. But his time schedule is perfect. Amen. Every
5: single time, it's, it's God's time. We, we've, I've always lived by um, that saying uh, if you, you want to make God laugh, Tell them your plans, you know? Um, I like that. Well, in this this situation of how the movie came about, um, the guys uh, decided they needed to wait. They went and made another movie. Uh, These are the guys that wrote and co-produced God's Not Dead. And um, they uh, realized in his time it'll happen. Three years later, prayed again. God said, not yet. Still upset a year and a half ago. God finally said, now is the time to make unplanned. Now, brothers and sisters, it really is for such a time as this. And if you look six years ago at the previous presidential administration, there's no way this movie would have made it into theaters. Okay? Three years ago, same thing. We may not have made it into theaters. Okay? Even a year and a half ago, we had no idea for example, that the state of New York would pass a law yeah. such as they did. Yeah. Disgusting, I don't even have words for that law. Yeah. And that Virginia would try to follow. Absolutely, New Mexico, New and, Hampshire, and,
3: unbelievable. And for the benefit of those that are here, as well as those that are watching, this is today. I mean, New York has passed, together with these other states, a law that allows a woman to have the right to abort her child even up to the day before the child is born. No words. So while that child's waiting for its birth date, it can be aborted. So this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I haven't told you this yet, and this is before God the honest truth. I hear you say the phrase for such a time as this. This hasn't come up in our dialogue, but as we've been preparing this this thing that happened in three weeks that's yeah. happening right now. What kept going over my mind was for such a time as this, for mm. such a time as this. Mm. And the business guy who organized the lunch with Soul Pitch on, we're at lunch, just me and him and and, and Jade. And he he whispers under his breath for such a time as this. Wow. I said, whoa, what are you saying? <laughs> that's what God's been saying in my head. And to hear you guys That that's the same thing. Listen, I want to assure you, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching by TV or live streaming, God has set this up. These are not coincidences. These are God incidences. And God is saying, it's time, church, for such a time as this. Exactly. So very briefly, what's this movie about? Give us a very quick synopsis. Abby Johnson's
5: real-life story. Uh, She was at college at Texas A&M University. Um, she had two abortions before right. she was 20 years old, uh, but while at Texas A&M at a typical student job fair, uh, she comes across a booth uh, that was rep by Planned Parenthood. Um, she was interested and became a volunteer. Right. Uh, after a short time as the volunteer, she quickly moved through the process, which is unheard of. In her second year, Uh, working at Planned Parenthood as an employee, uh, she was fast-tracked and became the youngest director in the history of the organization. That just isn't supposed to happen in your 20s. Well, uh, six years now as the director, eight total years working there at Planned Parenthood, uh, she's asked for the first time to participate in an actual abortion procedure. Now, she's been in the procedure rooms countless times to turn lights on and off, uh, to make sure that uh, the rooms are clean for health inspections, et cetera, et cetera. But as um, an administrator, she had no reason to be in during an abortion procedure. Uh, because of the situation, they needed an, an assistant, they needed some extra help, and she was asked uh, to, to guide the wand uh, during an ultrasound-guided abortion. The baby was 13 weeks. And she's looking at the monitor and sees this process and was shocked. What she saw changed everything. And she ended up leaving Planned Parenthood, becoming one of the most prolific and most popular pro-life speakers. Um, And one of the most hated people from the other side, you know? Uh, Her life has been threatened so many times, um, and she's just become so vocal for the cause of life. But she also gave her life uh, to Jesus Christ. Now, this is a girl who came out of a pro-life Christian home. And one of the heartaches that that I personally experienced during the making of this movie was learning a lot of statistics. One, which is 63% of Mm. people who have had abortions come from Christian right. pro-life homes. Right. So people would ask us all the time, how are you gonna reach the pro-choice you know, folks with this movie? Well, I'm more concerned about reaching our own, sure. you know? Let's sure. preach this to the choir.
3: You know, Mike, one of the things that I wanna talk about, and and that is that somehow this movie got an R rating. <laughs> talk right. to us about that, because I know at times people are concerned Uh, What went down that this got rated R?
5: Yeah, the MPAA that uh, sets ratings, uh, there's 10 human beings. They all live in Los Angeles. Most of them were born and raised in the L.A. culture. Uh, And interestingly, we did some research on the people, and all of them have children. Four of them have grandchildren. So we were interested uh, in that, but they gave this faith-based pro-life Christian movie, an R rating. To get an R, you typically need four things. You typically need profanity, you need nudity, you need sex scenes, and you need extreme violence. Well, unplanned doesn't have profanity. There's no nudity. We don't even have sexual innuendo, never mind sex scenes. So what's left, pastor? Extreme violence. So what did Hollywood do, bro? (laughs) Hollywood actually shot itself in the the foot by giving us an R and admitting that abortion is extreme violence. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and if you're concerned and if you're a fellow pastor watching or church leader And those of you that are here as Christians, if you're concerned about the R rating, I want to tell you, This is absolutely true. This is not promo spin. I can tell you right now that there is no sexual innuendo whatsoever, no sex scenes, no nudity, absolutely nothing. In fact, I have two daughters and a son, and if they were 13, I personally would take them by the hand, I would prep them, and I would bring them to the theater to see this movie. Here's the crazy thing. In Florida and many other states around America, Your child, who is a minor, can go to the government, so to speak, and have an abortion, and mommy and daddy will never know about it, and that child will live forever with the questions, the doubts, the what-ifs, maybe the shame and the guilt and even emotional issues for the rest of their life, and you as a parent won't know because the government said so. But then... The government can slap an R rating on this movie and not even let your children see the movie. And that is just evidence of the fact that we are working against spiritual powers in dark places. And I'm talking about demonic beings, not people. Amen. Yeah, absolutely.
5: Yeah, there's so many uh, states where you could be 13, 14, 15 years old and without parental consent... Have an abortion, but you can't go see this movie yes. without parental crazy. consent. It's crazy.
3: Well, we uh, have a video hello from Ashley Bratcher, and obviously she plays Abby Johnson and does an, a phenomenal job at it. Uh, and so I want you to welcome Ashley as she appears on the screen above us. Everyone, give a hello and put your hands together for Ashley Bratcher
1: to those that are present in Tampa as well as those that are live streaming from across the U.S. and around the world. I'm so thrilled that you are here. This is such an incredible moment and a powerful statement to protect life by our Christian church leaders coming together at this event. We all know how important and how impactful movies can be. Film is a powerful tool that has allowed us to reach millions of people to spread the good news of the gospel and advance the kingdom of God. And Hollywood is taking note. Your being here is what makes the movie Unplanned go far beyond just being a movie. Your being here is what makes Unplanned a movement. A movement of Christian believers rising up in unity and agreement. A united voice that can be heard clearly, distinctly, And loudly across the world. As my new friends talk and share their hearts with you about the movie and we discuss the important subject of abortion, I pray that you will allow the Spirit of God to move you, to strengthen you, inspire you, and motivate you to believe that you are a voice. A voice that needs to be heard and a voice that the world can't afford to be silent. You are that voice. Thank
3: you so much for being here tonight. Awesome. Thank you, Ashley Bratcher. Yeah. Ashley plays the lead role of Abby Johnson, but we are thrilled. We have another one of the lead actors here, and that is Robia Scott. Whoa! Look at this lovely lady. Come on, let's give her a huge welcome. What a thrill. Thank you. What an honor.
2: And she's Italian. What?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Did I tell you, did I tell you, or didn't I tell you, God set this up? (laughs) (laughs) One Italian after another. This is crazy. Just
2: gets better and better.
3: Hey, uh, I want to tell you something about Robia Scott, and that is that even before this movie, this. Lovely lady was very popular and famous secularly uh in the movie world and in people's homes right across America and the world. You toured originally, you toured with Prince. For over 12 months, you were one of the dancers. You appeared on an album. I believe it was Diamonds and Dolls. Uh, Diamonds and Pearls. Diamonds and Pearls from Well, the you're 90s. a doll, but <laughs> Diamonds and Pearls, and you played Pearl. I was Pearl. And then you've appeared in CSI. That's it. You've appeared in Beverly Hills, 90210. That's correct. You were a regular on Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Show. Yes. And then... Tons of other things. So you really had climbed that ladder and was very, very successful. Yes. So what happened? Because I know somewhere in between you found Jesus.
2: Yes, well, it was during my time on Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I was really starting to seek God, and He was pursuing me, right. and uh, I became a Christian at that time. Awesome. And yes, <laughs> awesome. and uh, and then I did feel a little conflict, you know, continuing right. to go to work. Although Buffy the Vampire Slayer was very well written, it was an excellent show. Obviously, if you remember it, it had a lot of occult. So I, I just felt that conviction oh, sure, and. Sure. Um, they wound up actually killing me off the show. Which most actors aren't happy about that, but I rejoiced on that one. (laughs) I I had a great time there, but I knew my time was coming to an end. And as I started to grow in Christ, I just had an affinity for the things of God. I had a passion for prayer. Uh, Right away, I started teaching a Bible study, and I just knew that the gifts that God had given me for communication for the arts, he was now transitioning for the kingdom.
3: Fantastic. So I really just took a a leap
2: of faith. I left my 20-year career in entertainment and stepped into full-time ministry before even had a ministry, but God told me to do it. He told me he was preparing a way for me to be a a speaker, a teacher, an author for his kingdom. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years. I travel, I speak, I wrote a book called
3: Counterfeit Comfort. And and, and you know, I want to say to everybody here right now in grace and faith and to everybody that's watching, we got to get the understanding If you are born again, then God has a destiny for you. You are the church. You are ministry. Your life is meant to be a living gospel. And you have Christ in you, the hope of everybody else's glory. You are ministers. So thank you so much for sharing that. Tell us about the movie, because if I'm correct, this was your debut back into movies. You came back after getting saved and starred in this phenomenal movie, Unplanned. Yes.
2: Honestly, I never had any intention of going back to Hollywood. I just knew that I was in my calling, my destiny, what I was supposed to be doing. And then I just randomly had people, various people, start to say, they would pray over me and speak over my life, and they would say, you know, I'm really sensing God's not done with you in Hollywood. (laughs) So I said, well, we'll see. He would literally have to drop it in my lap because I'm not going to pursue it. And he did. He dropped it in my lap. Through just a God-only series of events, I was introduced to Chuck and Carrie, the writer-directors, and yeah. they mentioned Unplanned to me. They, to- they told me about the story, and instantly, wow. I was intrigued. Yeah. And they told me about yeah. my character, Cheryl, the head of Planned Parenthood, <laughs> and I was intrigued, but also a little nervous. Uh, but they asked me... Well, hang on, let me
3: interject here, <laughs> yes. because for those of you who haven't <laughs> seen the movie yet... Robia Scott, as lovely and beautiful as she is, she plays the role of the person that you just love to hate. It's true. Okay. And she plays the role of the overall director of Planned Parenthood. Yes. And I got to tell you, your performance... Guys, go see the movie. You really do have to see the movie. The acting is absolutely second to none. I agree. The script is brilliant. Modestly speaking, of course. But no, you know, I'm a little bit of a movie buff, and you know, I'm not into. Sometimes in the early days, Christian movies could be a little bit cheesy this, and the weak. Quality. The quality but god has done such a, a job there even yes. working on the movie industry with christian stories brilliant absolutely brilliant Thank and you. it brings the balance and the dynamics it, it's fun just to watch you did an awesome job
2: well the reviews I, I, across the board everyone says i am cruella de
3: <laughs>
2: but little do they know i'm the christian cruella yeah i'm having to redub myself yeah, yeah. awesome
3: <laughs> awesome Well, you did a brilliant job. Tell us, what was your personal experience? What do you take away the most from this movie? And what would you say to these folk?
2: First of all, I think people need to realize, sometimes they're hesitant of the the topic, but the essence of Unplanned is a story of redemption. It's a story of hope. It's a story of love. Uh, And it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was so passionate. You know, as a minister, we know that The truth makes us free. Absolutely. So, you know, I think we've seen in our culture, especially in the last couple years, you know, politically, for instance, it's starting to be uncovered that, you know, the media is a very powerful medium. And uh, they don't call it television programming for nothing because it programs (laughs) us as a society what to believe is true.
3: Absolutely. So, when
2: I saw this opportunity, to tell a true story that lifts the veil of Planned Parenthood and shows the side of it that the media is not telling us, that Planned Parenthood has done such a magnificent job at, at, at programming our culture to believe that they are about women's health, that they're about women's empowerment, that they're about women's right to choose. So to do this movie and know that we could show another side and let people just see the the truth with their own eyes to have a more educated understanding of what they're going to choose to believe. Because, you know, just real quickly, the, the mass public does not really understand who Planned Parenthood is because right. they've been so extraordinary in their marketing. They don't know that you literally cannot plan your parenthood yeah. at Planned Parenthood. You cannot go there for prenatal care. They're so big on pro-choice, yet there are no choices there. They don't give you the choice to give your baby up for adoption. Sure. They go so far as they do not show women their ultrasound. Because statistics show that over 90% of women, when they see their ultrasound, they bond instantly with Mm -hmm. their baby. What's that percentage again? I think it's about 90% of women, when they see their baby in the womb, there's an instant bonding. Because God made us to bond with our baby. So they know that. So they purposefully do not show women their ultrasound because they do not wanna give the woman a choice not to have an abortion. The only reason they do an ultrasound is to measure the size of the baby so they can determine the weeks that you're pregnant so they can decide how much to charge you for your abortion. So to make this kind of information public knowledge is just an extraordinary opportunity. And and
3: you know, uh, I've I've been told from uh, the heads of uh, pregnancy centers that the ultrasound equipment that is used is actually old uh, equipment now, and there is th- uh, 4D, <laughs> 3D uh, technology. Four 4D now, four technology. Now. And in fact, recently in New York City, they actually set up, I think it was in. Uh, it's coming uh, up May 4th. Yeah, it's coming up May 4th. Times Square. Times Square. They're going to have a 4D machine so that people could see what. A an unborn child looks like in the womb and see all the characteristics, but I was told uh, that uh, Planned Parenthood and pro-choice clinics will not convert to the new equipment either. I guess they're afraid it's going to bug out the. Well, when you see your baby in 4D yeah. and
2: you see the detail, it really eradicates the idea that we're just looking at a clump of cells because you see a beautifully formed, yeah. perfect baby. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't make I'm not surprised that they don't want to bring that equipment
3: in. Awesome having you here. Thank you. Uh, Mike, awesome having you here. Uh, Thank you for what you've done. Honestly, thank you. This is ministry. People don't realize what you guys are doing. This is Holy Ghost ministry. It's the precedence and the the it sets a precedence for revival because revival doesn't just change hearts, it changes culture. And this movie is helping to, like a John the Baptist, prepare the way so that there can be a repentance before Jesus could come. John the Baptist had to come to prepare the way, to change the culture, the atmosphere, so that people would come to a place of repentance, so that the Son of God could manifest Himself. Yeah. So, you guys are playing a spiritual principle in changing culture so that there can be a great move of God. Thank Praise you God. so much. You. Give them a hand again. Thanks. We're about to go to our next guest, and before we do, I want to show a video uh, introduction to introduce Dr. Levitino. Uh, As I stated earlier, he is now proudly a former abortion doctor. He has become born again, loves Jesus, and is speaking pro-life, and has appeared before Congress and has given testimony about uh, what an abortion really looks like, I will give you this little heads up. While there are no pictures and you see nothing graphically, there is a graphic description. So um, just a heads up as we roll to what Congress heard. Thank you.
6: First witness is Dr. Anthony Levitino. Dr. Levitino is a board-certified obstetrician gynecologist Over the course of his career, Dr. Levitino has practiced obstetrics and gynecology in both private and university settings, including as an associate professor of OBGYN at the Albany Medical College. And Dr. Levitino will begin with you. Welcome. Thank you, Chairman and members of the committee. Um, I I only have five minutes, so I'm going to get right to it. Second trimester D&E abortions performed between roughly 14 and 24 weeks of gestation. Your patient today is 17 years old. She's 22 weeks pregnant. Her baby is the length of your hand plus a couple of inches. And she's been feeling her baby kick for the last several weeks. But she's asleep on an operating room table. You walk into that operating room scrubbed and gowned. And after removing laminaria, you introduce a suction catheter into the uterus. This is a 14 French suction catheter. If she were 12 weeks pregnant or less, Basically, the width of your hand or smaller, you could basically do the entire procedure with this. But babies this big don't fit through catheters this size. After suctioning the amniotic fluid out from around the baby, you introduce an instrument called the sofa clamp. It's about 13 inches long. It's made of stainless steel. The business end of this clamp is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide. There are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A DNA procedure is a blind abortion, so picture yourself introducing this and grabbing anything you can blindly and pull, and I do mean hard, and out pops a leg about that big which you put down on the table next to you. Reach in again, pull again, pull out an arm about the same length which you put down on the table next to you, and use this instrument again and again to tear out the spine, the intestines, the heart and lungs. Head on the baby that size is about the size of a large plum. Can't see it, but you pretty good idea you got it if you've got your instrument around something and your fingers are spread about as far as they go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the instrument and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you could pull out skull pieces. And you have a day like I had a lot of time, sometimes a little face comes back and stares back at you. Congratulations, you just successfully performed a second trimester DE abortion. You just affirmed her right to choose.
3: Wow. That is sobering. Doctor, it it is a thrill to have you here. And this is a very sensitive subject. And as we've already stated, we're not here to uh, shame anyone or condemn anyone. Uh, We're here to show the same love and the same grace that God showed us. For the fact that we were sinners before we came to Christ, and we still make mistakes, and God lovingly and graciously understands us and picks us up and puts us together. Doctor, it is great to have you and your lovely wife, Seal Cecilia, lovely wife. Look at this. How'd you get such a beautiful woman? I got lucky. Yeah, well, God he bless you. He sure did now you know why she's here too (laughs) good on you guys welcome would you please welcome dr tony and his lovely wife awesome i i have a nagging question and i'm sure everybody wants to know so here you were performing abortions what happened what brought the change
6: during my training as a resident in obstetrics and gynecology, I learned to do first and second trimester abortions, mm-hmm. along with learning deliveries and hysterectomies and all the things we do. Um, when it was, you know, if, if technology in the late 70s was a little different, but if patients were less than 13 weeks pregnant, we'd bring them in for suction DNCs and i do two, three, four in a morning, never thought anything of it. If they were more than 13 weeks, we'd bring them back for saline abortions. Uh, These aren't done anymore, but these women had to go through labor. Uh, But as I said, I was there to learn my trade as an obstetrician gynecologist. Uh, It was during my first year of training that I met my, the lady that was to become my wife. And uh, we married after a year, tried to have a family of our own and found out that we had an infertility problem. Uh, which is extremely difficult for women to go through and we were basically after a lot of work up told that it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, We then attempted to adopt a child and found out how difficult that is and it was during that time that I had my first doubts about doing abortion. They were strictly selfish but obviously I knew that the reason there were so few children to adopt were because of abortions and people like me doing them and I remember very distinctly thinking I'm throwing these kids in the garbage. Wouldn't even one of these ladies allow us to take this child to the back of our own? But of course, it doesn't happen that way. Um, With uh, after we tried, you know, as I said, trying to adopt, best we could do after a lot of effort was get on a five-year waiting list to get on the real waiting list. Um, So we talked about it and we decided to advertise. We let other doctors and people in the area know we were looking to find a private adoption if possible. And we were able to adopt a little girl that we named Heather in August of 1978. Uh, as sometimes happens, you know, we had a daughter now. This is fantastic. And my wife got pregnant the very next month. Um, and I knew I could do it. <laughs> and, uh, and you showed him. I you? did. Yes, right. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> and our son Sean was born in July 1979. Uh, when Heather was two months short, exactly two months short of her sixth birthday, she was killed in an auto accident in front of our home. And anyone who has a child might think they have some idea of what that's like. But if you haven't been through it yourself, you have no idea, I hope you never find out. But what do you do, you know, after a disaster? You try to get back into your life. And I went in and and started a second trimester DE abortion, just like the one we described, literally tore out an arm or leg, stared at it in the clamp and got sick. Uh, When you start an abortion, you can't stop. And I talked earlier about stacking body parts. Uh, You have to make sure you get two arms, two legs, and all the pieces. Because if you don't, you're going to come back infected, bleeding. Your patients are going to come back infected, bleeding, or dead. So I finished. But for the first time in my life, I looked at that pile of body parts. And I didn't see her wonderful right to choose or, you know, what a great doctor I was. All I could see was someone's son or daughter. And that was the beginning of the end for me.
3: Wow. Well, praise God that God Mm -hmm. knows how to take stories that are filled with pain and hurt. And he brings his healing power. And then through all of that, what the enemy meant for evil, God has a way to bring life. And today, both of you are born again. You love Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
3: That's, That's incredible. I think that's
0: one of the things that has helped us. Through um, Heather's death and and moving forward and and just um, being so grateful that God has chosen to use that pain yeah. um, to save other babies. Sure. And sure. And that really, there's there's great comfort in knowing that yeah. our Father is is has loved us so much Amen. and does love us so much a- that. A- a- yeah. he 's willing he 's willing to use that pain for good,
3: yeah, and you know, having talked with you even earlier a little bit about this and and, and I know your position God didn 't take the baby, but what the enemy meant for evil, God says i 'm going to make good still come out of this and just incredible so this was the beginning of an amazing turnaround uh, an amazing turnaround. You were telling me earlier a story about a patient who had come and see you. Would you share that with everyone? Because I thought that was just
6: awesome. You know, you can listen to a doctor or a nurse and talk about abortion and kind of be overwhelmed. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. What can I do? 1983, I showed up in my office, and there were people from our local Christian church picketing our office. People always ask, what's it like? I'll tell you what it's like, we get a siege mentality, it's us against you kooks outside. And I got a new patient, her name was Susan, and she came in for a routine GYN exam, pap smear. When it was over, she said, can I talk to you? And a lot of women will not, especially women, will not tell a doctor what's really on their mind till they develop a level of trust. So I sat down, asked her what I could do, and she absolutely blew me away when she said, I've been sent here to give you a message that Jesus loves you. He cares about you. This is not what he intended for your life, to be an abortionist. Please stop. Now, it's not like I never darkened the inside of a church before, but people who were demonstrative of their faith always made me uncomfortable. So all I could think of was i got to hustle this kook out of my office as fast as I could, and I did. A year later, she showed up for her GYN exam, and when it was over, she said, Can I talk to you? And I went, Oh, no. Um... And she basically said the same thing again. I mean, I've been sent here to give you a message that Jesus loves you. He cares about you. This is not what he intended for your life, to be an abortionist. Please stop. I remembered what she said. But in the intervening year, she had sent me three personal greeting cards with the message written on the card. One time during the intervening year, I came and there was a plate of brownies waiting on my desk with the message tied to the brownies. Now, how long would you evangelize, say, your doctor, who you know thinks you're nuts? okay she did it for seven years and when we finally did accept Christ the minister who knew nothing about this said you know be nice go back and thank the people who helped you along the way I took Susan to lunch and that's when I found out that she had been one of those people picketing outside my office and I I wouldn't have understood it then but I understood it now when she said I was called to go to you specifically And give you that message and I did it even though I knew you thought I was crazy amen
3: you know and that story is so powerful because it was part of your coming to Jesus Christ and I want to say to everyone everyone here everyone watching we are the gospel in living form and that's why while we don't want to run from the truth we want to address the truth I have a saying You know, sometimes we don't want to deal with conflict or touchy things. The conflict you don't deal with is the conflict that will deal with you. The only difference is that it will choose the time and the place and it'll never be convenient. We need to face conflict, but let's face it with love. As we approach subjects, as we approach delicate issues... We, the living gospel of Jesus Christ, must do so with love and with grace and faith that God will redeem. For those of you that are watching and for those of you in this audience today, listen, what can we do next? I want to encourage you to book whole screenings have private screenings and it doesn't take much to do and we've set up a web page so that you could do that if you go to www.unplannedevent.org it's that simple www.unplannedevent.org and you'll scroll Uh, Scroll down and there's a place where you can fill in an application to book a whole screening. Whether you're the head of a denomination, I highly recommend the movie. Whether you're a, a, a regional supervisor, a pastor, a church leader, a lay person, a business person, go there consider booking whole screenings because this is an opportunity to take the gospel. Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. This is an awesome opportunity in a theater setting to let the anointing of Christ come and in a loving way touch the hurts of humanity. There's plenty of them there. Absolutely. We're going to play the ending video. I want you just to sit tight as we watch this final score. Thank you. Because I don't
4: believe in accidents. Miracles, they don't just happen by chance. As long as my God holds the world in his hands, I know that there's no such thing as unreal. choice cause there's no such thing as unplanned
3: unplanned, and your being here today isn't unplanned. Today we've talked about a subject that, as I've said many times, can be sensitive, can be controversial, but I want to switch it now for a moment, and I want to talk about you, because you have been born. You've had the privilege and the honor to suck air, to breathe, to live to do, to have. But Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It sounds like a crazy concept. In fact, a religious teacher said to Jesus, how can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? You see, unfortunately, the enemy has a way of distorting everything. And he has convinced people that going to church just covers it. No, it doesn't. Even coming to this church. I like this church. I keep coming back, you know. And it's not because they pay me. Uh, But even this church, this church doesn't make you born again. Every one of us must come to a place Where we ask Jesus Christ into our heart. You could be confirmed and baptized when you're a little kid and go through all the religious motions. But friend, there comes a point where each and every one of us as an adult must come to a realization we're broken and we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. I want you to stand with me right now. Right now, I'm talking to you, not the person next to you. You may have come with a friend, a a relative. You may have come for the first time. This might be your tenth time. This is where this is about us here right now. Are you born again? Have you asked Jesus Christ into your heart? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Sometimes we feel, I've done too much wrong. I've made too many mistakes. I've already lived a life full of regrets. I want to tell you, that's what salvation is about. It's about this wonderful, incredible God who has the ability to take the broken vase and put it back together and make it new. Do you know in Japanese culture, there's a form of art that really speaks about the heart of God. And that is that when there's a family heirloom like a piece of china that's been handed down over the years, sometimes in some homes, a a piece that may be two, three generations old. As with everything, life puts chips on us. The glaze starts to wear out sometimes we get broken and so China that was passed down and part of a family heirloom the more chips or cracks or breaks that they would get they would lovingly put the China back together this heirloom and the more it showed the wear and tear of life the higher it was held in esteem now that it's been repaired. There's one difference with God's grace and the story I just showed you. When God restores us, He makes us better than new. Amen. And it doesn't matter how flawed we are, how cracked, how broken, how hurt. It doesn't matter how much maybe we hurt others and broke them. Sin is a great equalizer. And every one of us, whether we've been victims of someone else's sin or we've just conjured up our own, we've all been there. And that's why Jesus hung on that cross with his arms out. Not to be just a piece of jewelry. Not to become a religious icon. But the Bible says that in the legal courts of heaven, justice must prevail even beyond this planet. In the galaxies, there is a witness. And right must stand. And wrong must be paid for. And so God became flesh and became man because there is a testimony in the heavens that sin must pay a price. But God said, I will pay the price. I can tell you right now, I love my kids. And if I had to take a bullet for my kids, I'd do it in a heartbeat. No questions. No questions whatsoever. (laughs) To me, they are the most precious thing in my life. I love the fact that out of the brokenness of your story, I wept as I heard it second time and I started to weep up there. Because while I didn't have your pain, I understand it. And God's heart breaks because we're his kids and we're lost and his heart breaks so much that he did take the bullet for us Jesus died on the cross not to start a religion he died on the cross to start a relationship and he wants you to be part of that relationship not a religion and so friend Right now, whoever you might be, this is about you and God right now. Forget everyone else. Close your eyes. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, if you're that broken, fractured piece of China, God sees you as an heirloom that he wants to restore. And the beautiful thing is not only will he make it better than new, he then fills it so that we carry him in us. If you're here today and you've never actually gone beyond religion, if you've never had anything more than just gracing a church pew once in a while, then I invite you to find out what it really is about. Open your heart and pray a childlike prayer because nothing god ever does is difficult it's simple jesus said unless we become like little children we can't enter the kingdom of heaven so i'm going to give you the opportunity to become like a little child and enter the kingdom of heaven right now where you are i want you to raise your hand and say i want to ask jesus in my heart come on if that's you, the Spirit of God is moving you, touching you. You've never done this before. Come on, put your hand up and say, me. That's me. I want to ask Christ into my heart. If you've walked away, you've backslidden, you've, you've got involved in things you know you shouldn't have, and you're coming back and checking it out, but you feel like, wow. There's always a fresh start in Jesus. Amen. This, These are the things I love about God. I can't shock him. My bad and my wrong can't shock him. And nor does it turn him away. Even when I've known better and made mistakes, I found the same loving Jesus that I had met the first time when I didn't know better. So if that's you, is there any here that would like to make a recommitment to Jesus Christ? Put your hand up right now. Everyone eyes closed. Put your hand up. It's just you and God right now. Put your hand up and say, I would like to make a recommitment. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Are there others right now want to make a recommitment? Just raise that hand very quickly. Thank you. Well, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. I'm going to wait just a few more moments. Others want to make a commitment for the first time or for a new time? Put your hand up. Is that you? Church, I'm going to ask you to do something really respectfully and gently. Would you turn to someone next to you and ask them? Give them the opportunity of life. Would you turn and respectfully, gently ask the person next to you, even if you know them, it doesn't matter. This is good practice. Turn to someone and ask them, do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Come on. Be a preacher right now of grace and faith, of love, of gentleness. Amen. I want every eye to close. And we're gonna pray. And for those of you that made a recommitment here, thank you. I acknowledge that, and so does God. More importantly, he does. We screw up. We make mistakes. I am a testimony of God's amazing grace. If you think I get to be pastor because I've always walked a straight line, (laughs) you need to see a psychologist. (laughs) I think I get to be pastor because I'm a good example of how far God's love and grace can go. And he can take the most broken of things and make them new. So everyone close your eyes and for those that raise their hands and for those who wish they did. You can pray this and God reads hearts more than he reads lips. Close your eyes and repeat after me. Everyone, repeat after me. Dear God, I believe you love me. I don't always understand why, but thank you. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry for everything. Jesus Christ, I believe you are God come in the flesh. And you died for me because I needed your grace. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you, come into my heart right now. I receive you. I believe you. I want you to live inside of me. Father, I hand my life over to you today. Jesus. I'm yours. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for those who raised their hands and those who didn't but wanted to. I thank you, God, that right now you have given me the power and the authority in the spirit world. And I take the blood of Jesus and allow it to wash over everyone in this room. And because the blood of Jesus redeems us, it buys us back, it purchases our freedom. I speak to the forces of darkness that have manipulated people's lives, oppressed them, crushed them, even... Harass them, and in Jesus' name, because the blood has been shed, because Jesus has won the victory and did not stay dead but rose from the grave, because he visited the belly of hell and defeated every demon, Because of that victory, I break the chains of darkness. I break the oppression of the evil one. And I release men and women today in Jesus' name from demonic harassment. No longer do you belong to the kingdom of darkness. But today by the blood of Jesus, the contract has been paid. And I release you from demon interference, every curse broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, we give you the glory. I thank you that people are being set free and saved and restored. And We give you all the glory in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout. Come on, give God a shout. Yeah.